We are in a discipleship series. Um, and as we continue along, I would like to just encourage us for a moment that as we seek to be a church of disciples of Christ, first and foremost, and be a church who makes disciples to follow Christ, that it is the Lord's work. Um, and it is, begins and it ends with him, the Lord himself. He calls us to himself on his terms and by his power. And it's important that we submit to that truth and that grace because we don't want to be lax, but we also don't want to put too much pressure on ourselves thinking, oh, I got to do all this to make a disciple or to be a disciple. No, it is the work of the spirit, as I'll get to later, who is moving inside of us, allowing us to be disciples, A, and to go make disciples, B. Amen. Pastor Michael began this series a couple weeks ago with a two part text. Uh, on what does it mean to be a disciple. Uh, And then last week, we talked about moving from disciple to disciple maker. Uh, This morning, I want to continue the idea of being a disciple, but I want to add to that and say, in order to make disciples, we must share the gospel. In order to make disciples, we must share the gospel. This is the first step in disciple making, because how is someone going to be a disciple of Christ if they don't know who he is? Right. We must share the gospel. Um, We don't people don't know Christ with theological nuggets. They don't know Christ with kindness. They don't know Christ with acts of service uh, primarily. But the gospel, Paul states in Romans 116, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First, the Jew, then the Gentile. This is our life's calling, brothers and sisters, each and every one of us. If you are new to the faith as of like last week or if you are a 25 year veteran and you've been walking with the Lord since the mid to late 80s, this is your calling too to share the gospel of Christ. Uh, my aim this morning is that when we leave here, we will all feel the calling, the weight of the calling to share the gospel, but, but the weight of God's grace by means of the Holy Spirit to share the gospel. Amen. Um, You are his, and we are entrusted to him, and God is not going to let us fail on his mission. Uh, This is his mission for his glory, and he is all about his glory, uh, whether we're on this side of heaven or next. He's all about his glory for all of eternity. Um, If you would, turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 1, and please stand. We're going to be in Acts chapter 1. Verses, look, I forgot my text, 1 through 11. Or maybe 1 through 10. (laughs) I'm reading from the ESV. All right. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the father, which he said, you heard me for John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them. It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and the cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, 
As he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way you saw him go into heaven. Let's pray. Dear Lord, as we sit and uh, reflect on your word this morning, uh, I pray that you would um, give us a conviction, Father, uh, that we are disciples and disciple makers, Father, as we uh, look to uh, know your gospel and to share your gospel um, and have gospel hope, Father, that our hope would not be in our own ability, uh, would not be in our own skill set, uh, our own standing in the community or anywhere, Father, but our hope would be in the person and work of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So this morning, um, I want to examine Luke's second letter to my son, Theophilus. Uh, I think, is he with Elizabeth or in child care? I don't need to know. Child care. But yes, so this is why we chose the name Theophilus, because he is most excellent. Uh, but no, um, we pick up in the book of Acts, and the book of Acts was uh, written to uh, Theophilus. Uh, they call him most excellent. Uh, the Holy Spirit impressed Luke to write down the accounts of, of Christ in the early church, um, and it's a blessing because uh, we have God's word and faithful men and women uh, were keeping his word um, in their hearts and they've given us his word. Um, but in the context, uh, the disciples are with Jesus and they've been with him for about 40 days, the text says. And the, and the beauty about the context is the last time um, that Jesus was with them, he was being crucified. I mean, think about it. Like these guys uh, a month and a half ago, if you will had saw their Savior, their Lord, uh, some of them figured that out, they saw him crucified, and Peter denied him three times, and everybody else scattered. Some of the ladies were faithful, amen. They stayed by the cross, walking behind. But, uh, but no, like, so this is essentially uh, we, where we see our Lord and Savior restoring his people, but not only is he going to restore them, he's going to commission them to go to be his witnesses, and that's what we are today. And so, like I said, we talked about what does it mean to be a disciple part one and what does it mean to be a disciple part two. Um, and then now we're talking about uh, a disciple shares the gospel. A disciple makes disciples. And I'm going to talk about three points this morning. And you can write them down now as I take a break. In order to share the gospel, the three points I want to highlight is we need the right power, the right message, and the right hope. In order to share the gospel, we need the right power, the right message, and the right hope. And so I love the fact that uh, when the text opens up, uh, you know, they're with Jesus and somebody asks a question. It's always that one person in group, right? Somebody asks a question. So when are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus is like, not exactly right now. I need you to wait. Um, and so what are they waiting on? Uh, I'll get to that in a second. But Jesus is like, it's not for you to know this. Like, this is not what you should be concerned on about right now. Uh, I have a bigger plan in mind. And my bigger plan is to send you out to be witnesses to Judea, to Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And Jesus says, you need to be waiting on the Holy Spirit. That's what you need to be doing right now. That you will receive power. Jesus said them they will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come. Now you might say, well, Lance, hadn't the Holy Spirit been there the whole time? Uh, yes and no, right? So yes, he's been there. 
um, in like an in and out, doing his thing and leaving. But this is the first time when Jesus is going to actually leave the spirit because he says it in John. Like, hey, I'm leaving, but I'm leaving uh, this, my spirit so you can remember everything that I did and everything that I said um, before the disciples would go out. And we look at the early gospels and they would go out and they would uh, preach the message of Jesus. But um, that was with them, them being commissioned by Jesus. Now um, they are going to have the Holy Spirit to go out and share the gospel with. Um, my first point, in order to be a disciple maker, you need the right power. You need the right power. I want to highlight the fact that Jesus says, before you go out and share your faith, wait for the Holy Spirit. Wait for the Holy Spirit. There's a submission to the Holy Spirit that needs to take place in a believer's life for them to be equipped to do the will of God. Amen? Um, Now, think about this for a minute. These are the same people who were hiding. Um, They went into hiding. We know that they were in the upper room at some point. Essentially, they were afraid. And so Jesus knows that them sharing their message, uh, his message, gospel, um, it's not based on who they are and what they're good at. It's based on his power. So he's telling them, wait for the Holy Spirit. Uh, think about it. Peter denies Jesus three times. So let me ask you a question. What's the difference between the Peter that denied Jesus three times when he was uh, being apprehended by the Roman soldiers and the difference in the Peter who in Acts 2 spits hot fire to all the people? Somebody tell me the difference. The Holy Spirit, right? Right? So we got to submit to that. Like, that's not Peter doing his own thing. That's Peter submitting to the Holy Spirit in order to do the work and the will of God. Peter is submitting to the Holy Spirit. And this is the time that I just want to take a step back and just look at who the Holy Spirit is, right? So we know that um, uh, the Holy Spirit is there. Uh, he is God. Uh, in fact, he is one part of the Trinity. Um, he is not... Jesus, he is not the Father, but he, in fact, is the Holy Spirit. Uh, We know the Holy Spirit is eternal. If you look at Genesis 1, 2, it says that he was there, hovering above the waters as the world was being formed. If you look at John 14, 6, he's all-knowing. John 14, 26, but the help of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that he said to you, all that I have said to you. So the Holy Spirit is eternal. He's all-knowing. He is God. Romans 8.15 states that the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. It is a demarcation that we belong to God, that we are God's people. And I just want to, I'm going to get hyped about this point. I'm going to try to stay calm. But they are there. And um, in Acts chapter 2, we know the day of what is coming. The day of Pentecost. And so... Naturally, like, what does that mean? Pentecost. And so just track with me here. So Pentecost would have been a harvest festival 50 days after they celebrate Passover. Uh, This would have been called the Feast of Weeks. It would have been a harvest season. And we know what Passover is. Uh, Maybe you do, maybe you don't. But it's essentially in the Old Testament when God told the people to mark blood on the door as a sign of demarcation that you belong to me, that you are with covenant Yahweh in Israel. So they didn't die, right? And so uh, here's the beauty of that. This is a, during a harvest festival, which is called the Feast of Weeks. Now, instead of blood being the demarcation of God's people, it is the Holy Spirit 
himself descending on the people of God to set them apart. Like, that's pretty hype. Like, God is not a fluke. I even put that in my... Like, God is not a fluke. Like, their ancestors would have been separated by blood on the door. They were celebrating that ceremony. That's why all these Jews are gathered together. If you look at Acts chapter 2, like, it was a lot of people together. But you're like, wait, how do we even get there? Because they would have been celebrating something that they were called to do um, in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew law, that they come together, they don't work, they get together, and they celebrate the Lord Lord, um, at that point. But they're there together. And instead of them being separated by the blood on the door, God is now going to harvest his people because it's the Feast of Harvest. Harvest his people as demarcated by the Holy Spirit. Amen. God is not a fluke. God is not a fluke. And so this is a good time for me to just uh, tell you that, man, we need to allow the spirit just to sit in us sometime and just cultivate the things of God in us. Um, I recently read a personal devotion book, and the author said, um, you know, sometimes when you're doing your daily devotions, your meditations on scripture, you just got to sit there and let the spirit speak. And he said, don't get up until, you've, until you know for sure that the spirit has spoken. Now, I know that we got busy lives and everything like that, but really and truly take some time and let the spirit just saturate your thoughts and your heart. Um, what else is there to do to, besides submit to the spirit? Um, the spirit is there for us to remind us of who God is and what he's done. And um, we can pray and meditate and do that. Second uh, Timothy 2.15 says that all scripture is God breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so I'm bringing that up because you're like, well, how do I cultivate the spirit in my life? How do I? Uh, walk in step with the Spirit? How do I invite the Holy Spirit into my heart? Because he's there, but we need to allow him to, to, be, to be, the, be the king of our hearts and be uh, the main motivator in our lives. And so I just want to encourage you that Second Timothy says that Scripture is good for teaching, rebuking, correcting. We just need to meditate on his word. Um, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. It is the Spirit that enables us to share the gospel um, with work people, with friends, with family. Um, the Spirit brings about everything that we know about God himself. It is just not simply our great recall. A few more things I want to highlight in this first point. The disciples are asking about the kingdom of Israel being restored. Uh, and so you got to remember, in context, um, the Romans apprehended Christ, uh, but you got some other people on the scene, like the Pharisees, but essentially like um, the people of God, more or less, were um, kind of colonized by the Romans. The Romans, were, they were still, you know, Given Caesar what he needs. They were given his bit and his coin. And so it kind of made me think about, like, uh, now I'm going to say it's Peter, but it may not have been Peter. Like, man, when you going to make Israel great again? You know? Like, when you going to make America? I mean, you know. But, but really, though, sometimes, like, we can be focused on, like, all the other things um, besides the gospel of Jesus Christ. Like, we do live in a country, um, and God has given this, but, like, our main focus shouldn't be, like, a political agenda. Like, we can't be getting distracted by um, things that are happening um, apart from the kingdom of God. Not that we don't engage ourselves, as we said earlier, you know, we talked about Mahalia Jackson and how she was a, um, a freedom fighter, you know. But I'm saying when it is our sole drive uh, to make our country great, if I just might say that, and not the gospel, then we got a problem. Because Jesus had to rebuke them and say, this isn't your business. (laughs) Like, you need to go make disciples. Don't worry about having Israel restored uh, 
the kingdom of Israel is short right now. Yeah, I know the Romans are tripping and you don't like them and they overtax you and they cheat you. And you got these other people over here. But I'm not really concerned with that right now. You need to go share the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's my kingdom. That is my kingdom. Let it let it rain in your hearts first. Yeah, you can have it rain in law, but the kingdom of God needs to be raining in your heart. The kingdom is for them um, needs to rain in your heart first. So, I mean, Jesus knew that they could make Israel great again, but that wasn't his whole point. That wasn't his whole point. His whole point was them to wait on the Holy Spirit and have the right power to go out and make a disciple. Amen. Point number two, a disciple maker has the right message. This is 8B. Jesus calls his disciples to be witnesses. After they received the power of the Spirit in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So this word witness here means one who affirms, one who attests, or to testify. Um, Now this word is a noun. It is not a verb. And so we know basic English, a noun is a person, place, or thing. A verb is an action. And so if our position in Christ is a witness, it is not just something we do first and foremost. Yet it is something we do, but that's not the main identity of a witness. A witness is who you are. It is, it is at the essence of your Christianity. It is who we are. I mean, it is literally like uh, it, it's part of getting the Holy Spirit. Like you're going to get this and you're going to be my witnesses. Like it is a part of your new DNA now um, as a Christ believing Uh, Christian, it is your witness. It's not based on your ability to share the gospel. It's not based on how much seminary training you had. It's not based on, like I said earlier, how long you've been in a faith. It's not based on how articulate or smooth you are. It's not based on your relatability. It is simply based on the fact that you are called by Christ as a believer, demarcated by the Holy Spirit to be his witness. Amen. This is not optional. Um, And brothers and sisters, if you are here today and you don't have a lot of confidence in sharing your faith if you don't feel like you do it well I just encourage you um, 2 Corinthians 12 9 says that his power is made perfect in our weakness it's okay to be like you know what I'm weak in this area I don't really know how to share the gospel I don't have a whole lot of experience I know we do the three circles and um, I know we, we, we encourage each other to share the gospel and we do gospel moments in community group but it's still a calling that we all have um, and you, you might not know what to say, but that's okay. I'm glad you spoke up, because guess what I'm about to do right now? I'm about to share the gospel with you. So nobody here will leave confused. And I'm going to use a model that I like, creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. And so if you're here and you're like, what is the gospel? How do I share it? Creation, fall, redemption, restoration. Creation, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. That is God showing himself as sovereign ruler. He has no beginning. He is eternal, and he created the heavens and the earth, and it all belongs to him. Psalm 50, verses 10 through 11, for every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills, and all the the animals in the field are mine. Everything that moves in the field is mine. So God created the earth, and it belongs to him. It is his God also created man in his own image. So we have he created the earth. He created man in his own image. Genesis 1, 26 to 28. We have dignity and worth and value from God. He is where we get our identity from, ultimately as a human being, not just a Christian, but anybody you come in contact with. They have dignity and worth based on God's word in Genesis 1, 26 through 28. Psalm 19 says they were wonderfully and fearfully made. That's us. We were created with 
wonder and fear and, and reverence. Like God loves us. God, God loves us. Um, and when God created man and woman, Adam and Eve, there was perfect unity in the garden, no discord. They walked around as they pleased and enjoyed each other, and they had the sweet fruit. They had mangoes. They had apples from Aldi that didn't go sour when you got them home, and like it wasn't marked up uh, by Whole Foods, nothing like that. They had everything they needed, and primarily they had God, which maybe that's the point. They had everything they needed because they were in the presence of God. Think about that for a moment. But the fall happened. Adam and Eve decided, you know what? Uh, we do believe this serpent that, why, don't, why is God keeping this back from me? You know, uh, he said, the serpent said, hey, if you eat that, you'll be like God. You know, he's holding it back from you. Uh, that's a lie. Like Pastor Michael said last week, Satan will speak to those lies. He'll speak to those lies. Oh, you can, you know, you're kind of better than this. You know, like, eh, I don't know. Like, you, you can probably get away with this. Uh, that's really not that important. Satan lied to them and they fell for it. They got duped. They ate the fruit. And God was like, you know what? You disobeyed. So I'm holy and perfect. You're not. I need to separate you from me. Really, you deserve death. But even then, I'm going to kill the animal and I'm going to put his clothing, his skin on you and send you out by my grace. There's, there's grace in the first three chapters of the Bible. Amen? <laughs> like, there's grace in the first three chapters of the Bible. Um, and so as a result of the fall, they have to leave the garden. But then that says, all right, now we're spiritually separated from God. Now um, there has to be an atonement. For them, it was an, an atonement had to be made, the animal. But now it's got to be Christ because we're not perfect anymore. Now Christ has to come live the perfect life um, because of our sin. And because of our sin, we deserve death. Romans 3.23, for the wages of sin is death. Furthermore, sin has no path to God but to hell. Eternally separated from God. Sin gets you hell. If you wake up uh, and you are not a believer, your sin gets you hell. But there's good news. There's redemption. Romans 3.23 and 24 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We just talked about that but are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So we were separated from God because of our sin, but through the person and work of Christ Jesus, we now can be restored back to right standing with God. You tracking with me? I'm walking through the gospel, so don't want to have any confusions. So we deserve death, but because of Jesus' life, we now can be restored, but we, we can't just say, oh, Jesus died. We have to confess that he is Lord and Savior, Romans 10, 9. Restoration. So it's not just that either. It's not just that Jesus sets us apart for him. He's coming back. Uh, Revelation 22, 1 through 6 says that Jesus will come back and reign with a new heaven and a new earth and all will be redeemed. No more pain, no more thirst. All of his people. No more pain, no more thirst, no more suffering. We will be fixated with the triune God of the universe for all of eternity. For those who have been redeemed by the blood of Christ. And so if you are here today and that's not your story. Man, that's God's story, and he's inviting you in. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the, the story of God being good and gracious and loving and kind, inviting man unto himself. And the thing is, we know how wretched we are, but a holy and perfect God would send his own son, his own son, to bear our burden, to take our cross that we deserve to redeem us to himself. So if you're here today, man, take that word. The God of the universe loves you. If you don't know that truth in your own life, take that word, and God loves you.
So if we're to make disciples, we need to be able to share our faith, regardless of the circumstance. Um, there's a, a book called um, Understanding the Great Commission by Jonathan Lehman and Mark Dever, and it says, um, where the gospel goes, churches show up. And this is true. It's true. If you look at when Jesus, um, before his ascension, he says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That's essentially kind of where they were. They started the church in Jerusalem, in Antioch. Paul um, went there. They started a church there. In Lystra, they started a church there. In Iconium, they started a church there. Eventually, when you get to the end of the book of Acts, you're in Rome. And we're talking about Rome. These are the people that was like, nah, we can we persecute. Like this, this is who they were under oppression by. They started a church in that context in Rome. So where the gospel goes, churches show up. And I'm going to make it for us in this sense, where the gospel goes, disciples are made. Where the gospel goes, disciples are made. But um, maybe it's not that easy, right? Because if we look at our brother Peter, who the difference between him and Acts 1 and 2 is the Holy Spirit, because that was his that was the right power that he had. And now he's got the right message in Acts 2 uh, to make disciples. We're reminded in uh, the book of First Peter 318 that sharing our faith may, in fact, bring about suffering for righteousness sake. It's not going to be easy sometimes. I just want to somewhat encourage you there. But First Peter 3, 8 through 17. Finally, all of you. Have unity of mind, sympathy, brothers, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for, or for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who you should suffer, or against those who do evil. I'm sorry, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, man, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet, do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will than for doing evil. The truth is, for some of us, maybe for all of us at some point in time, when we share the gospel, we're going to face criticism embarrassment, shame, people going to think we're crazy. Um, I remember when I was in college, and uh, maybe some of you guys remember this, when you first get up with something good, you got to, like, share it, but you're not really sure, like, all the ins and outs of it until I was sharing the gospel with some of the guys in my uh, dorm room. My, my best man, actually, my wedding, him and his buddy, and uh, the guy just got up and started yelling, bruh, where's the facts? I want the facts. And I'm sitting there like, um, this is, these are the facts. No, man, I want the facts. Tell me this happened. How do I know this happened? I'm like, well, I don't really know how to uh, use extra biblical text to show you that this is a reality in human history. But no, really, I felt really embarrassed at that moment. Um, 
He just said, none of this is true. It's false. There's no facts. Uh, it's not written down in any other books. And I was just like, man, well, I, if I'm honest, I was like, well, I, don't, I can't really prove it to you that it's real. I just kind of believe it that it's real. But that's what I got right now. And I was embarrassed. And I felt ashamed that I didn't really know how to defend myself against uh, people attacking the gospel. And the truth is, you're going to feel the same way sometimes. Maybe you don't. Maybe you got it all together. Maybe you go to that coworker, um, and they're just going to listen to you, and they're not going to fight back, and they're not going to say, well, prove this or prove that. Maybe that's reality. But for me, man, sometimes I'd be freezing up because I'm like, I don't really know how to prove this all the way. I don't really know how to prove this all the way. And the truth is, um, Pastor Michael said it. A couple weeks ago, and I remember him like saying, for some of us, it'll cost us our time being a disciple, costs us our money, and if we're lucky enough to look like our Lord and Savior, it'll cost us our life. It may end in death. Let's look at Peter. He was martyred upside down. We have an account that the brother of Jesus, James, who was giving him a hard time initially, was thrown off a roof. And we have many other accounts of uh, God-fearing brothers who lost their lives. Uh, Paul was beaten and imprisoned on several occasions on his missionary journey. Uh, the gospel writer John was sent to an island far, far away called Patmos. And so if that is our lot for people to come to know Christ, can we accept that? Can we accept that? Jesus asked the disciples to share their faith in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The farther out they went, the less familiar they were. Um, but that's not an excuse. Um, our gospel sharing does not have a geographic bound. Wherever we go, we got to take the gospel with us. Once again, I'm still thinking about uh, my brother from Kansas, uh, Robbie. Man, this dude is in Peru right now. And he sent the email update, picture, looking all handsome and stuff. Man, he may be, I don't know if he's asleep right now or what, but he's sharing the gospel right now. And that's his ends of the earth. Man. But if you're not called to go to the ends of the earth, that's cool. Start in your house. Start with your spouse. Like if you really, if you're saying, you know what, man, I really want to share the gospel, but I don't know how and I'm kind of afraid to do so. Start with your spouse. Because guess what? Your spouse needs the gospel of Jesus Christ too, amen? Your spouse is going to have a hard day someday or marriage or kids or whatever it may be. Share the gospel with your spouse. If you want to do a little more, share the gospel with some people in the community group. Share the gospel with some brothers and sisters uh, in the church. When we do our fall festival, Lord willing, in October, Brother Mark, Pastor Mark, man, just be like, yo, Candace, um, there are 20 people here. I'm about to share the gospel. Come stand with me. I might get tripped up, but you got my back, right? Yes, yes. Anything else you need me to know before I come over here? Man, just, just, I mean, like, it don't have to be immaculate. You don't have to be, uh, be able to beat Bill Nye, the science guy, like uh, the greatest apologist in the world. You just got to be willing and submit to the spirit. Because once again, Peter was so ashamed and afraid. He couldn't even look Jesus in the eye the second time around. He was like, man, I don't even. But here's the beauty of that. Um, and I know I'm kind of getting off track, but, but the restoration of God is real, though, because Peter denies Jesus three times. And then Jesus comes back and says, all right, so as far as you are broken, I'm going to restore you three times. Feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. Like, man, I think he can use you to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. I think he can use you. 
So practice on each other. Build one another up. Uh, call each other. Be like, yo, when I get to this part, how do I work that? Like, just, just do it. Just do it uh, when we get the opportunity. And this is me, too. This is not saying, hey, uh, I'll share the gospel every five minutes. No, I got to do the same thing. I got to do the same thing. You might even look silly doing it, but it's the right message to make a disciple. It's the only message to make a disciple. <laughs> the gospel. We can't make disciples if we don't have the message. You might look silly, but that's okay. We can grow in that. And then he, I like how Pastor Mark also talked about people that we find worthy to share the gospel. We find worthy. Like um, we had some neighbors one time. Um, they knocked on the door. I think it was late at night, Candace. And uh, they, they, they didn't have any power. And so uh, they wanted to run, they wanted me to run my extension cord from the window to their house so they could, you know, have heat. Uh, first, I'm thinking, man, this is silly. Like, there's no way. What if they, like, leave for the day and leave that on? Like, you know, if something happens, my energy will be sky high. But, man, these people were worthy of the gospel. Um, even though they had a barbecue grill hanging out the window on the second floor cooking. I'm like, man, I hope nobody died. But no, we, we got to see people um, the way God sees people, worthy, dignity, just like in Psalm 139, just like in Genesis uh, 1, 26 to 28, in his image, made with dignity. They get the gospel too. Man, I'm glad nobody looked at me like that. Yeah. Um, and if you're here today and you're a single mom or, man, we're struggling with some addiction or we're jobless or we're stressed out or... We fear, we fear man and we feel failure. Uh, we don't have people skills. Man, God can speak to all of that. None of that is too big for him. None of that is too big for him. Man, he can, he can witness through us, yo. Man, we are his witnesses. As disciple makers, we need the right power. We need the right message. And we need the right hope. We need the right hope. In Acts 1, 9 through 11... And when he had said these things, Jesus, as they were looking on, was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes. Now, I'm going to say that these are angels because they're in white robes, and they know he's coming back, so they got some knowledge. These aren't just regular Joes. And said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way that you saw him go into heaven. And this last point, I want to draw off the hope that we have for what we do. Where do we go from here? What do we do from here? What's the ultimate purpose of our evangelism? So we know we got the right, um, <laughs> we got the right power. We got the right message. But we got the right hope because Jesus is coming back. If Jesus wasn't coming back to bring this world to its appropriate end, then we're wasting our time. We're wasting our time. I mean, we might as well go believe something else. Um, look how Paul describes the day of the Lord in First uh, and Second Thessalonians. Uh, if you haven't read the book of First and Second, the books of First and Second Thessalonians, they're small. I think all small things are sweet. All small things are sweet. But no, you can read it in like a day or two. Uh, I didn't get that. Oh man. Uh, no, but it's really cool because you got these Thessalonians who uh, they know that Jesus is coming back. But some of them are just being lazy, and some of them are like, well, we know he's coming back, and we're good, so we can do whatever we want. I'm like, ah, not quite. Not quite. So 
1 Thessalonians, starting in verse 5 all the way through 11. Now concerning the times and seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. We don't know when it's coming. We don't know when it's coming. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for the day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and for those who get drunk, drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith, love, and for a helmet of hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. So that's me encouraging you. Let's not be sleep. Let's be woke in the gospel sense. We, let's, be, let's be woke. Um, my wife texted me last Sunday. Uh, it was about 2 o'clock. Theo was asleep. I'm sitting there eating fat. And she's like, Kobe died. And I'm like, what? What? Kobe died? What? And yeah, maybe you believed it right away, but I didn't believe it right away. So I flipped over to uh, ESPN.com, and um, I don't think they had anything right away. So I'm just looking at different news sites like, all right, what's up? And it says a helicopter crash, and we think Kobe was on it. And then later it's like, nah, he was on it. And then you realize, oh, Kobe's dead. And some of the irony is, like, LeBron had just passed him, if you're a basketball fan in here, uh, on the all-time scoring list. And Kobe played for L.A. for 19 seasons. And LeBron has been with L.A. Uh, for two seasons. And LeBron is supposed to take the mantle from Kobe. But that's a whole bit that's not what I really want to get at. But I was kind of sad. I was kind of sad for a lot of reasons. One, it's Kobe. Uh, two, there were other people. Him and his daughter, man. Ah. Just kind of broke my heart and other people. Um, and then I was asking somebody else, like, you think he knew the Lord? And they were like, probably not. I was like, ah. Yeah, it just kind of reminded me, man, that, like, our hope is in Jesus. And we're going to see these tributes on ESPN, uh, the players, and news outlets. And we haven't even got to the memorial service yet. So it's probably going to be another couple of weeks. And monuments are going up. And I guess that's cool. You know, but like for the believer, man, it should make us want to share the gospel all the more to the people around us because life is but a vapor. You know, here one moment, gone the next. And the day of the Lord can be at any moment in time. And we want the people we love the most to know the one who loves us the most. Amen. To give them a reason to hope because a lot of people are hopeless. Like a lot of guys are like, man, I don't know what to do. Like, this is my dude. Like, I'm like, well, man, there's Jesus. Like, like man, like, if, if, if we hurt now, like, man, like, the death that we face not knowing Jesus, man, that's, that's going to be a lot harder, man. That's going to be a lot harder. But, like, man, let's just encourage people. Maybe if somebody talked to you about Kobe dying and, like, you get that segue of, like, man, how's that make you feel? I'm sad. But, man, look, there's hope. If you're sad, there's hope. Not in Kobe, but in Jesus. I had a point in here of not getting distracted by politics and social media and all this other stuff because it can just distract us man like you know you can turn on your phone and you can see something but like we gotta let the gospel speak into these moments that um 
friends want to talk about, our family want to talk about, that we want to talk about. Um, that's the big idea. The gospel is the big idea. Uh, lest we forget we're on mission. Because Jesus is coming back, right? Like, he's coming back. Like, we, like, we aren't the reason. Uh, we're like, we can't determine when he comes back. Maybe that's debatable for some of you. But, like, um, man, we want to be ready. Like the song says uh, that we sing in our old uh, Presbyterian church, I want to be ready when Jesus comes. Chris, can we sing that? Yeah, we need to sing that. But no, man, we got to be witnessing wasting time, man. Like, love on people. Share the gospel because he is coming back the same way he went. And we don't know when that is. In Acts 2, verse 42 through 47, this is what we can be doing. I'm going to say this is what we should be doing. And I think we are doing it, but we should be doing this. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple, new breed, together and breaking bread in their homes, and, received, and they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Where the spirit is and where the gospel goes, disciples will be. Where the spirit is and the gospel goes, disciples will be. So let's devote ourselves to teaching, man. We got this marriage class. We got community group. We got Sunday morning. If y'all want to get together and do some other stuff, uh, do it, man. Gather together. Let's not be selfish, man. We can always make excuses about time and busy. And, you know, I know we're a young church in that, uh, and, you know, they say we're not going to be like our parents monetarily. So, okay, we missed that boat. Yeah, we're not going to have an in-ground pool in our backyard. Nobody at New Breed has in-ground pool, right? And we probably never will. I talk to the people about that. But we love each other, though, and we love Jesus. Yep, yep. We're going to be broke, but we're going to love Jesus. And maybe our parents missed that to a degree. Okay, we got you there. All right? We can't be getting distracted by 401Ks and all that stuff. So what? Our generation don't make money. We love each other. We kick it. I text you. I FaceTime you. And I build you up with the gospel. Amen? So let's commit ourselves to teaching and gathering together and being selfless, man. Love on each other. I owe Mark a coffee pot. Hopefully I get you that this week because Theo broke it. (laughs) It's like... um, I remember I'm, I'm a latchkey kid, and uh, my grandma was a nurse, and she would uh, go to work and say, here's the key, here's the money, and yeah, so come back home, lock the door, don't let nobody in, and, and make this food in the microwave. Don't turn on that stove, right? And, and I want you to take the trash out, and you can't go nowhere until you do your homework, and I check it. So she leaves, I get home, I eat, watch Arthur, look at the clock. Every day when you're walking, all right, okay, that goes off. And so I'm like, all right, I better get on these chores and do this homework because I want to go to the park when she come back. So she gone, and I'm like, all right, I'm, finna, I'm, I'm doing my chores, doing my homework. So when she come back, I'm ready to go. So when he come back, I'm ready to go. Amen? Amen. Um, in 1952... There's a story about a man named Jim Elliott. Some of you guys know him, and I'm closing, y'all. I know I'm 45 minutes in. Jim Elliott set out on a missionary journey to Ecuador. He went with his friends 
And eventually, um, his girlfriend was there who would become his wife, Elizabeth Elliot. So Jim and Elizabeth Elliot went with their friends on a missionary journey. While they were there in Ecuador, they had a daughter named Valerie. This would be their only child. While they were there, Jim had wanted to go reach these people who were deep in the bush. But he couldn't get to them because nobody really knew where they were. So they would just... You know, they got there and they met the people they could and they had a good time and they were loving on people and being there. Um, but the people they wanted to go to were called the AUKUS people. And they were deep in the bush, like I said, and they had a reputation for just killing people. Just, I mean, it was kind of like lethal, deadly to go talk to them. Um, and so they had some hard times finding them. But one day they went by and they dropped off some stuff via helicopter. And they made some connections. And one of the missionaries, um, one day the missionaries were able to go meet with the entire tribe. So these people that had a reputation for killing people, eventually Jim and his friends, the missionaries, were able to get in there and meet with them. And Jim and his friends left and were like, yo, these are great people. We can do this. They left hopeful. But some of the tribe mem members lied to the rest of the tribe about Jim Elliott's intentions. And so the men went back, the, the, the missionaries went back, not knowing that they had been lied on, essentially. And the guys went back, they were going to do their thing. Um, several hours had passed. The wives were over here, like, hey, you know, we need to know you're okay. But they never got word. And so eventually they sent out a team of people to go look for them. When they got there, they found them with spears in their back in the beach. Plane is messed up taken apart, destroyed. All five bodies were found eventually. All five bodies. So these men had been persecuted on their missionary journey. Now, here's the part that I think we all need to take note of. Elizabeth Elliot, Jim's wife, and one of the sisters of the other men stayed there, went back to the tribe, and loved on the people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. They just killed your husband and your brother. Eventually, the same person that killed that lady's brother, or one of the other guys, he came to faith. He came to faith. Elizabeth Elliot would later say, this is her quote, they, speaking about the men and her husband, they simply went because they knew they belonged to God, the people, because he was their creator and their redeemer. They had no choice but to willingly obey him. And that meant obeying his command to take the good news to every nation. Let us leave this place emboldened by the spirit, trusting in the word, looking to the hope, looking to the future hope of Jesus. In order to be a disciple maker, we must share the gospel as we go with the right power, the right message, and the right motivation of hope. Amen.